Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. We're in the middle of a sermon series called Rethink, and today we're uh, hitting a particular topic in that. Um, But just to set the context, right, we're going through the entire book of 1 Corinthians, because we love books of the Bible. Um, It's such a great way to to uh, get a continuous uh, train of thought and and pull out certain themes, and also not avoid things that we may necessarily not like in the Bible. So that's why we kind of do sermon series like this and go through books of the Bible, because it's good for us as the church. Um, so uh, today we find ourselves, and I, this is, we're actually kind of like in a mini-series within a series. So last week we, we started with Rethinking Spiritual Gifts. Um, and then this week it's kind of the, the context of spiritual gifts is in the, is in the church. And so um, Paul's going to explain how that works. And then uh, next week it also follows the same train of thought. And, and probably even for a couple more weeks after this. Because like I said last week, we really want to get this right as a church. This sets so much of the framework and the DNA and who we are as the church today. So um, that's where we find ourselves. All right, so a little known fact about me in in this circle, I'm a big skier. Anybody know that? One person, two people? Uh, Hey, what's up, buddy? Yeah, so I was a big skier. Um, I was I was like really into skiing. So I was on like a, a racing team um, that would go out. We'd compete, and we'd, my my mom would drive me all around Ontario, and we'd go to all the different ski hills, and we'd compete against all the different ski clubs. Um, this is when I was young, so it was like the Nancy Green racing thing, right? <laughs> so was, I don't know. I was like I did this for for probably from the ages of I don't know maybe nine to like 15, 16. Like, it was a big deal. I was even to the point where when I was 16 years old, my parents gave me the choice, do you want to move to Alberta to go to a special school where they will train you on how to become a ski racer all during the uh, fall, winter, and spring, and then in the summer you like fast track your, your, your school courses. Like, that was a track that I was on and, and potentially setting myself up for. Um, and now I'm here with you guys instead, so isn't that awesome? <laughs> no, it's good. Um, and uh, so it was really funny, because when I was younger, right, there was, th- there was this weird transition stage for my parents, where it was like, this is still my kid and my baby, and, you know, they were entering into this new thing where, you know, he's, he's, he's skiing and it's getting more serious. Um, and, uh, and so all the other kids on the team, like they were, they were like really hardcore. Like you think what I was doing was hardcore, but they were like really hardcore. And they, and from my kid eyes, I looked at them, and they were always in like the professional gear, like like oh yeah, the sweet gear. And uh, you know, they, I don't know, skiers like you use poles, you know, um, to stabilize yourself and whatever. And and because in a ski race, there's there's what they call gates which are poles drilled into the hill and you have to kind of turn around them, right? And so you have these 
guards around your fist to, you know, knock down the pole because it's in your way, right? You need to cut hard as close as you can to the pole. So you need to get right over top of it, knock it down so you can quickly cut into the next one, right? Serious business. So you need these serious hand guards, right? And I didn't have any. I just had my, my, my kid mittens, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, slick helmets, right? And I always, and this is me, okay? I had the, like, fluorescent onesie. And the, and the like, uh, the hat that was like the jester hat with like bells and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine that even though I was a part of this team and we would compete and we would win everything and you know, we like I had my place on this team, I always felt out of place. I always felt like I wasn't a part of that team. Something about that and my kid mentality made me think that way. And we do that in the church. We do that in the church. That really, I was no less part of the team just because I was different from those other kids. I was fully part of the team. But I thought I wasn't. So, let's set some context for how this, for how this works out. Um, it was a busy week last week. A lot of us were, were out doing Thanksgiving and celebrating with friends and family. And so to really, to really mine the, the depths of, of those feelings in the church, um, we need to kind of recap last week a little bit. Um, so, uh, verse 7 was like the, the key verse for us last week. To each is given, that's to each, so all of us, right? We covered that. So all of us are important in what he's about to say because it affects our life. There's no, there's no thing in, in between to each and the next part that excludes anybody. It's just all of us in the church uh, is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And we said, who's the Holy Spirit? We said, the Holy Spirit is God. So really, to each of us is given manifestation of God, that God is a person and we get to show that and manifest that in power amongst each other. And all of us do that. Why? For the common good. And then we said, well, what is the common good? Because we just kind of hear that word good and we could assign any definition to that that we so choose, right? And so Paul made it particularly uh, clear to us in uh, chapter 14. So I jumped ahead a little bit because it's almost the exact same verse, right? It's, so with yourself, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So that's the common good, building up the church. And the best example of manifesting God to each other for the building of, of the church is in the life of Jesus. God literally manifesting himself face to face with us. The best example is not like the televangelist preacher that we find on the TV. Not even our favorite megachurch pastor, who we don't actually really know. And it may not even be the people who stand up here or the people who stand up there. They should hopefully be good examples, but the best example, the clearest picture, is in the life of Jesus. And we said our bottom line last week was, your spiritual gifts 
are about God and for others, not about you and for yourself. So we can't hide in a corner. We can't run off and just do whatever we want with our spiritual gifts. It's not even necessarily about the spiritual gifts because it's about God. And they're for other people. So we can pour ourselves out for other people to be built up in faith. This week, we're going to go further into this. Okay, we're going to go further into this. Because this, this, this church, and we're going to see it because we just read it, this church is sick. It's young, it's diverse, it's new. It may sound familiar, it's kind of like us. And it has two specific sicknesses that he's about to describe. And I mean, it's awful, like, we've been going through First Corinthians for a while, like this church is crazy, right? Dude's sleeping with his mother-in-law, people getting drunk off communion wine, like there's a lot of problems. Right? And there's, there's two sicknesses for how we understand the church and, and why we're here and what we do with each other when we're here. All right, let's let the scripture kind of set the tone for it. Um, and, and keep in mind that the context is how, how we live life together, how we use our spiritual gifts together as the church. So, all right, let's start with verses 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, all were baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. Cool. This is, this is great language right here, right? We talked, um, we talked last week how, how Paul always does three things when he talks about spiritual gifts, okay? And he's going to do it again this week. So last week we talked about the importance of maintaining unity in the body of Christ. This week, the particular focus is celebrating the diversity that God brings to the church. And next week, we're going to talk about the importance of maturing in that. And every time Paul talks about spiritual gifts, in Ephesians, and Romans, every time he talks about it, it's always those three things. Right? In Ephesians, it's we need to grow up, we need to build each other up into the head who is Christ, so we're not tossed to and fro in the waves, right? Like that's we need to mature, we need to grow. He he's always hitting those things. And so this verse, if we could go put back the uh, 12 and 13, um, this verse is the start of how he's going to, it, it frames how we're gonna celebrate diversity in the church, right? There's many different kinds of people here. Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, all these different kinds of people. And we're all baptized into one body and we're all made to drink of one spirit. So this, this incredible diversity that God, that, that God is out there doing something, saving people, loving people, and bringing them into the church. He's making them, he's baptizing them in the spirit, one spirit into the body and they're made to drink of one spirit. And just, this is kind of cool, right? We're baptized into one body. So it's like everything outside of us is baptized. And then all we're made to drink of one spirit. And so everything inside of us, so everything outside of us and everything inside of us, essentially what he's saying, is meant to be in the spirit. That's pretty cool. So here we go. This is, this is kind of how this works. If you're, if you're not a Christian in this room, to, to understand kind of where we're gonna go, um, uh, this is what we're talking about. That God is in the business of saving people. 
that initially God made everything. God made it good. He loved people. He created people. He, in fact, he spoke all of creation into existence. And then when it came to making people, he got down. He dug his hands into the dirt very intimately and, and created Adam. Adam and Eve turned from God, this good, caring, speaking, intimate, loving. They walked with him in the cool of the day. You could, they walked with God. Can you imagine that? That God set this beautiful garden aside for them and said, hey, this is yours. Have dominion over it, right? Enjoy all of it. They walked with him. And they said, you know what? At a certain point, God, we don't need you. We can have the knowledge of good and evil all to our own. And so we're going to do this. We're going to, even though he said, this would lead to death. We don't believe you. How bad could it be? And this, this set all of history, all of creation on a trajectory away from God. And from that very moment, God has been pursuing, restoring, loving, chasing after, pouring grace upon his creation, his people that he loves. And so... Anybody, the Christian good news is anybody, no matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done, God has done something in history, come down, become a man to be with us. And though he came face to face with us, we still murdered him on a cross. And God loved us so much. He, in that ultimate act of evil, he raised him from the dead and said, this this act right here is what I'm going to use to restore all creation. And so everybody's invited in. Right? It's not that, it's not that, that, that Christianity is, is exclusive to a certain group of people. All people are invited into this. And God... God is working through his church, saving people one by one by one by one. He gives them his spirit. He gives them a new heart, a new nature, a new mind, a new way of thinking, a new way of feeling, a new way of acting. And it's beautiful because actually in this, this is the life you were meant to live, full of the spirit. That if you want to be fully human, like God is against everything that is preventing you from being fully human. God wants you to live the fully human life, which is the life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God is giving people his spirit. And that's amazing. And anybody can be a part of that. Whether you're a slave, whether you're free, whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you grew up in the church, whether you're Muslim, this is how the Bible says it. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this is really cool. That when God gives you his Holy Spirit, he equips you with certain unique spiritual gifts that you never had before. And he has an intended purpose for you to live those out in the context of the church. So here's, here's an example. God will give you 
a gift of faith. You didn't have faith before. You just didn't have it. The, without the Spirit, you didn't have faith in God. You turned away from God. You said, God doesn't exist. God doesn't exist. I don't need God. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be a good person, and I'm going to work my job, and maybe I'll have a family, maybe eventually, I don't know. But I'm not hurting anybody, and it's just great. You didn't have faith. And so God gave you his Holy Spirit, and he gave you faith. And so now, you believe things that God can do things that other people don't believe God can do. And even in the church, God will give certain people this like extra dose of faith that people will be like, man, what are we gonna do? And the, and the person with the gift of faith is gonna be like, doesn't matter, God's gonna do something great. Like, let's just run headfirst into this thing and God's gonna show up. It's gonna be awesome. Like, it's gonna be super cool because God is gonna come into this. Let's just go for it, right? Person has a gift of faith. Some people have the gift of hospitality. That before, like maybe you liked cooking meals or whatever, and maybe you liked having people over to your house, and you like to make it really nice and set up nice napkins and put on nice music, and I'm making fun of myself because we love to do all this stuff, right? <laughs> and, uh, um, but the supernatural gift, spiritual gift of hospitality is different because now you're having people over into your house to show them what it's like to live in God's house and to tell them about what it's like to live in God's house. That's a supernatural gift. That's a Holy Spirit gift. Because before, you would just have people over to your house and hang out and play board games and then whatever, see you later, haha, that was great. But now, God is doing something there. All right. If you didn't get this already, these spiritual gifts are different from your natural talents, though sometimes they relate. And as we grow in these and as we discern these, God is making you more like Jesus. You want to know what evangelism is like? Look at Jesus. You want to know what the gift of faith is like? Look at Jesus. You want to know what apostleship is like? Look at Jesus. The church, for those of you who aren't a Christian or who don't know, the church is this amazing place where God is gathering people whom he has saved. All races, classes, genders, languages come together in unity, like we talked about last week, to love one another, to love God. There's an amazing unity in the church and an amazing diversity, more than any other organization in the world or community in the world. That's what the church is supposed to be. So here's our bottom line for today. Jesus died so you could have body life. That's another word for life in the church, not an independent life. The issue is we aren't mature in the way that we think about these things. And we refuse to mature. And these two ailments that we're gonna, we're gonna cover, these two specific sicknesses that we're gonna cover, they settle in if they aren't treated properly. 
And so Paul's going to describe what the sickness is, and then he's going to give a solution for it. Okay? And, and there's two of them, and we're going to do it for each one. All right. Let's do verses 14 to 16. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. This person, or people who are thinking this in this church, feel useless. They feel like they're unnecessary and not important. They feel like they don't have any influence, that, it, that if they didn't show up, it wouldn't matter. So the conclusion is, they separate themselves from community in their heart and in their mind. That usually starts first. That it starts in our mind. We start to think that, and then we start to really feel that way. And then if it goes on long enough, untreated, you eventually separate yourself physically from the church. You just don't come anymore. You just don't hang out with your Christian friends. This is going to be a bold statement, but this is what I think about this. Because Paul said that when we do spiritual gifts the wrong way, it's because we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping idols. And usually those idols are demons. And so here, here's what I'm going to say about this. This is incredibly demonic evil because it demands uniformity, not unity, which is the total opposite of the concept of the body. A body has different parts. Hands, fingers, elbows, shoulders, chest, knees, head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, right? It's got different parts. It just does. It has different parts. And they're different. And you are one of those parts. And it's demonic and evil to think that you shouldn't be the part that you are. You should be a different part. You say, oh, okay, 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 that's a little extreme. Like, that's, woo, take it easy, Adam, take it easy, right? This is how it works out for us. This is how it works out for our church. Uh, you know, I got a lot to do. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a mom, and, you know, just, I just, there's so much going on with my kids, I'm just not going to show up. I just, you know, they don't, they don't need me right now, and, you know, I just, I need to do this. I'm a dad, I get that. I have, I'm married to a mom, I get that. Or, you know, I just have too much to do, you know, there's just like my job and, and everything is too much and so I'm just, if I show up, I'm just gonna be grumpy and you know, they, they, don't, they don't need me, so. Or, I'm, I'm not good enough because I don't, I don't pray as good as those other people, you know, they're like, they're like an elite person and, and I wish I could pray like them, but I can't, so, so I just, they don't, you know, they don't need me really because I can't pray. Or no matter, no matter how many times I go to BLG, it just, it just doesn't work for me. BLG is a body life group, which is our, our weekly meeting every week. You know, we say, hey, let's set aside this time, let's hang out together, you know, let's pray, let's read scripture, let's eat a meal, let's do fellowship. You know, I just, I, I keep going, but it just, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me, so. And what we say is, we have nothing to gain from other people and we have nothing to give to other people. 
that if we show up, God isn't going to manifest through us and God isn't going to manifest through other people to change us. And so it's just not worth it. Here's the solution. Paul steps in right away. It's already on the verse there. He says, we can see it. That just because they say this, that would not make it any less part of the body. This is what he says. It's just not true. It's just not true. That's a total lie. It's not true. You can't believe that. You can't. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're the elbow where I'm the shoulder, and I need you. It's just not true. No matter how we feel or how we think, that type of thinking is not true if you're in Christ, if you're in the church, if God has given his spirit to you, if you're a Christian, that type of thinking is never true. He's going to go on to further imply that when we think like this, we have a low view of what the church is and how it's supposed to function, and we have a low view of who God is and who he's made us to be. We just don't think highly of God, and we don't think highly of the church. So the solution to that is we need a bigger view of God. We need to see God for who he really is. And we need a clearer picture of what it is we're doing when we meet together to do church, to have body life. Let's take a look at how he, how he does this. So verses 17 to 20. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Where would be the sense of hearing? Sorry. If the whole body were an ear, where would, the sen- where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, right? If everybody were a finger, if everybody were an eye, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts in one body. If we think this way, what we essentially say is God got it wrong. God got it wrong. God doesn't know what he's doing. God doesn't know what he's doing. He didn't, he didn't, he made me a toe. God is so stupid. All I've ever wanted was to be an eye. How dare he do that to me? God got it wrong. Oh, God is so much bigger and more beautiful and more good than that. And you have a unique place and function in the church. That is given to you by a loving God. How is the church supposed to benefit from the unique spiritual gift that he's given you if you decide he got it wrong and we don't need you? So, let's talk about body life because we need a clearer picture of the church. God has always had this purpose. This comes from Ephesians 3. God has always been in the business of including people into the life he's always lived. Ephesians 3 says like this, this is the eternal purpose of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, church, body, life.
God has eternally existed in perfect community, perfect worship, perfect love, perfect communication, perfect affection, perfect adoration, perfect. And every time we're around somebody who's a Christian, that's what we should be giving and receiving and experiencing amongst each other. This is the life we were always meant to live. This is what it is to be fully human. So, the church, Trinity Life Church, gives us a few like official ways to, to, to do this. Um, some are less formal than others. Um, some take a little more work than others. And, uh, and, and, some are, and, and all of them are, have different purposes than the others. Okay, so the smallest way to experience body life, because if you didn't know this yet, uh, body life, we have body life groups, and I, so it can get confusing because we call it body life groups. And so what I don't want us to think is that body life groups that happen the once a week is when you experience body life only. You will experience body life there, but that is not the only place that we experience body life. And we, if, if I don't say that clearly enough, hopefully I said it clearly enough there because it's so important for how we, we structure things at a church. So the smallest way that we do it is one-on-one. One-on-one is an opportunity for body life. I'm hanging out with, with, with Kelly, right? Curtis will be there too. And probably Emily is there too, right? Because that's just how we roll, right? Because we like to have fun. Um, and we're gonna experience body life. Okay, I'm gonna hang out with Mike. We're gonna experience body life together, right? I'm gonna hang out with my buddy Alex here. We're gonna have body life together, right? Matt, you wanna have some body life together? Just hang out one-on-one, go get some lunch? Yeah, let's do it. Man, it's gonna be body life, it's gonna be great, right? <laughs> we do this in triad, so sometimes we'll have, you know, somebody who, so triad being three, we'll have a person uh, who, you know, is kind of, teaching someone else how to, to, to do body life with another person, and so that other person, we bring them in, and so the three of us, we just have a good good old time together, you know, just a small group of dudes or gals, or dudes and gals hanging out, um, uh, encouraging each other and building each other up in faith, you know. We do our, our body life groups, so a little bit bigger now, right? So maybe, I don't know what your body life group size is, at, maybe six to 14-ish, if you're bigger than that, then you probably need to be two body life groups because you're too big. Um, Actually, <laughs> yeah, some people snicker. Like, I'm in one that's too big right now. <laughs> and uh, so, well, hey, if that's you, step up and lead a body life group because we're waiting for more leaders to lead body life groups. You know what I'm saying? We need you. All right? <clears throat> uh, so it's a, it's a bigger gathering. We, we always do a meal. We, this is an intentional way. We say, let's just meet every week. No matter what, we're going to meet every week, we're going to read the scripture, we're going to pray, we're going to love each other, we're going to serve each other, we're going to find out what's been going on during the week, and then we're going to pray into that, and we're going we're gonna to exhort each other, we're going to rebuke each other, we're going to encourage each other, and it's going to be awesome. So we say, join a body life group, because you'll experience that. And that usually, if you want, like if you're really like the one-on-one type of person, usually a body life group will launch you into those smaller things, because you actually get a chance to like make closer friends and, and find somebody who really will be good to do a triad or a one-on-one with. So start there. Um, and, and actually, here's the next one. Many of you started at our large gathering, right? So, you know, we gather here to worship and this, this is body life. This is life in the church that 
that, that they gather together in big groups, or let's say it's a body life collective, right? We gather together in a big group and we pray and we read the scripture and, you know, certain people's uh, gifts are, are, are focused on in this particular part, right? Leadership, singing, worship, preaching and teaching, Every, a lot of people serve. Those gifts are being fully activated right now. Somebody, somebody is going to give you a connect card, and most weeks somebody folds a pamphlet and they give it to you, right? Like and people are, people are serving. People are teaching our kids. People set up that coffee. Someone had to do that, right? Someone had to put that sign up, you know. And so people are activating their gifts of serving while they're here, and it's beautiful and amazing. And and then when we when we talk after with our one on one and we and we eat food and we drink coffee and we have a great time, right? Like people's gifts of love and hospitality are being activated. And so everybody has their part, even even on a day like this. So one-on-one triads, body life groups, and large gatherings. All of these are opportunities for people to exercise their gifts and for all of us to be built up and experience the life that God wants for us. Here's, uh, here's just some things that I thought of that every time body life happens, these three things should happen. And a whole bunch more, but I'm just going to say these three things. Uh, one, faith, our faith should increase. God should be made much of. Raise the roof. God is breaking in. God should be made much of. And people should be loved. And I would wager to say that most of the time that people who call themselves Christians don't experience something absolutely spiritually and amazing when they meet another person who calls himself a Christian is because they come to instances where body life should happen with a sense of, I need to get something out of you rather than, oh man, I'm in big trouble. So far behind. (laughs) Rather than give something to you. Give everything that I am to you. We want to take from people rather than give to people, right? We talked about it last week. Like, let's not worry about our spiritual gifts so much as manifesting God amongst each other. And this is probably what happens. Because we're not focused on giving, people's faith isn't built up, God isn't even mentioned, and the interaction was surface level at best. Okay. Here's what we have to do. We gotta repent and see God as big and the church body as being made beautiful by Jesus day by day and we're a part of making that happen. Okay, really quickly through the next sickness because the solution's pretty much the same so we can go through it quickly. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head uh, to the feet say, I have no need of you. Like, We've, when we see that, we're like, yay, that's not me. Oh, like, look at me. That is so prideful. Like, wow, I would never say something like that, right? But of course we do this all the time. We do this. We do this all the time. When we have disagreements with people, <coughs> theological and relational, we just say, eh, I don't need you. I just won't talk to you anymore. Preferences and personality. Come free. Like, I got a personality that rubs a little bit the wrong way sometimes to some people, you know? And 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus is sanctifying me as well. And I got people who love me who, who are helping point those things out and, and say, hey, like, you can be more like Jesus if you repent and, and change that. And, um, and you could love and serve people better if you repent and change that. And, but we divide based on our preferences or personality. And we, so like, it comes out in who we give our time to. I just won't hang out with them because, well, or who we invite to spend time with us. Oh, yeah, I'd never have that person over to my house. And we do this in our gossip. Who do you talk about when they're not there? And who do you go to when you have an issue with a person that isn't that person? A lot of time we divide over differences, not sin, and that's a sin. Because even sin has a process, even sin between brothers has a process to follow. And for something smaller than that, just differences, we don't even follow any kind of a process, we just avoid. And I said a strong statement about the previous one, so I'm going to say a strong statement about this one. This is an incredibly demonic evil because it forsakes loving community instead of embracing its glorious diversity. And Paul has a solution. Verses 22, uh, a whole bunch of verses, 22 to 26. <laughs> on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so comprised the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that all members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And the solution is the same. God made it this way. We need a big view of God and a clear picture of the church. This is the most important word, if we flash that scripture back on here. Um, indispensable. Other translations will say necessary. These people are necessary. They seem to you, they seem to be weaker, but actually they're necessary. And he kills their self-righteousness and goes right to the heart. The church is a place where we live out the one another's, love one another, serve one another, rebuke one another, encourage one another, wash one another's feet, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the one another's. And God is the great composer, beautifully orchestrating this symphony of love between himself and people, and he wants us all to take part in it and be a part of it. I'm sorry, I can't skip this part. Okay. <laughs> sorry, guys. It's so heartbreaking when people say to the church, I don't need you. And I have some dear friends who say it over and over and over. Even this week. And it's devastating. And they don't say it like that. They don't say, we don't need you. But that's what they say. 
and they go to find it somewhere else, but they never find it. And then they cycle back around, like I said last week, right? There's people who leave and they go to all the different churches because they're looking for someone to serve them, not to serve, and then they come back. And then they say it again. We somehow, because we see the church is broken, because we see that the church gets sick, we somehow think that we don't need the church. To be a part of the body, you must be a part of a body. You must. So that I can rejoice when you are honored, so that we can suffer together when we suffer. And so we have a class starting today called Builders. So I'm gonna see, I'm gonna do like an announcement now, so I'm gonna save a little bit of time because I'm gonna do an announcement now. Uh, we have a class called Builders. So we're going to take four weeks to go through the, the foundations of the church and who we are and what we're about. Um, it's called Builders Orientation. You should take part in it. It's going to be awesome. Um, and it's also our membership track. So, right? The, all, everybody is a member of the body. Member, literally, arm, hand, whatever, right? And so you should be a member of a body. And if you're not a member, if you don't write your name down and say, this is what you're saying when you become a member, when you covenant before God and with people, that you say, I want to be a person that is with you when you suffer. So write my name down, sign me up, make me a part of that. I want to be a person that rejoices when you are honored. Write my name down, sign me up, let's pray, let's worship together. And when you don't do that, when it comes time for me to say, hey man, like I was suffering and you weren't there. Where were you? I needed you. That person can say, hey man, I didn't say I was a part of this. You know, I'm not just gonna go check out this church over here, right? You have to write your name down. You have to still, it doesn't even have to be written down. You need to come with us and covenant before God and say, I am a part of, of a body, this body, because I'm a part of the body the wider bread of place, Christ, the global church. And so here's the bottom line. Jesus died so you could have body life, not an independent life. We'll, we'll flash right through this. Uh, verses 27 and 31. He goes through a whole list of gifts and says, is everybody like this? No, of course not. And I will still show you a more excellent way. So I'm going to add to the bottom line. What's this more excellent way? We're going to talk about this next week. This is how we mature in our thinking about what life is like together and what church membership is, what it is to be a member on the body. And that's the way of love, the giving away of oneself to another, just like Jesus did. So we're going to come. And we're going to take the broken body of Jesus and the shed blood of Jesus, the one who gave himself away so that we could live this amazing life together. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.